When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Kennel, a podcast about the team of the Mighty West, the Western Bulldogs. My name is Josh Lloyd, and I am joined today by Simon Smith. Once again, Simon, good to be chatting with you uh, straight after a victory. Hi, Josh. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yes, I thought it was one of our probably our best wins considering the opposition and players we've sort of still missing. Well, we're here to talk about the the round 11 victory over the West Coast Eagles. The Dogs were 12-11-83. We knocked off the Eagles by eight points, who were 11-9-75. And it, it's a huge, it is a huge win, considering that they were grand finalists last season. They were equal with us on the ladder, slightly, you know, about 3%, I think, separated us on the ladder. It was a huge victory for us to move up from 6th or 7th, we were, I think, before this game started, up into 4th spot. We did it without... We know the injuries we've had in our back line, but then Easton Wood, our acting captain, pulls out before the game with hamstring tightness, which is a real concern to me with Wood because over the last two seasons, I think he's missed four games or five games with hamstring tightness. So obviously they're taking the correct path so it doesn't you know, flare up into something worse. But the fact that he continually gets hamstring tightness is a little bit of a concern to me. But with all those players out and the last minute uh, out of Wood, you know, elevating Bontempalli into the captaincy role, it's a it's a massive win. It's a massive win in the uh, in this narrative of the entire season and a massive win for the confidence of the group, I think. Oh, yeah, completely. Um, yeah, obviously, I mean, Eastern Wood was our sort of filling captain, obviously, with Murphy out. And, um, you know, he was close to best on ground last week and, you know, obviously already down Murphy, Johannesson, these guys. And, um, yeah, so they're obviously the experience is being lost. So the win, I mean, it was obviously extremely hard fought and um, probably, yeah, I, I would have thought it was close to our best. I'm not sure if it was our best win, but um, considering the team we were playing who are obviously excellent, obviously we were at home, but I thought it was a terrific game. Now, you look at our goal kickers, we were led by Libertore, who kicked three goals. Jakey Stringer, Tom Campbell, Jack Redpath all kicked two each, and then Hunter, Dunkley, and Picken with singles. So, as per usual, just a spread of goal kickers. There's different people popping up each week, putting through goals. We had uh, Josh Dunkley last week leading the team. We've got Libba this week kicking three. It's always good to have that spread of options. Um, we've got big power forwards. We've got electric forwards. We've got midfielders who are going through and doing that that as well. And it, it's been the theme of this team over the last couple of seasons that anyone can pop up on any given day and, and kick a big goal. Now, we mentioned that Easton Wood was out, so he was replaced by Bailey Williams in the selected side. Williams, as we discussed on yesterday, or well, not yesterday, last week's podcast, he was uh, he was stiff to be left out of the team. I thought after his first two games, he came back in. And what did you think of his performance? I thought he was excellent again. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he did really well. I mean, he didn't have a built, you know a ton of possessions, but um, I thought he looked really composed, like he had in the previous sort of few games, which he would played obviously in this his first year, and um, he sort of continued the form of the other guys that have sort of debuted this year, and you know sort of looked looked. At, at home and ease in terms of the game and you know obviously playing last year's grand final is just you know it's not easy for a guy who's played a couple of games but uh, I thought he's really good yeah look, I think he's going to develop into a real key player he doesn't look like he's played three games at all he looks very comfortable in the system looks very comfortable with his disposal I've got no um, issue when he grabs the ball and he's going to start kicking forward I don't think there's any concern where I go well, where's this going to end up going I've got no worries about that when he has the ball in his hand whatsoever I think he, he did 
extraordinarily well given the situation and given the fact that he had to come in and and replace Wood. Now it looked a little bit dicey early on. He led up that mark to uh, Mark Lacroix in that Ford 50 and was uh, quite easily outbodied, which is fair enough. Lacroix is one of the best small forwards in the game and has been for the last few years. So you'd expect that sort of thing, but you think, oh, is that going to be a matchup they're going to be able to exploit? But no, it wasn't. I thought our, our defense in general, Simon, was absolutely tremendous. They put together unsung players shutting down one of the most potent forward lines in the game I couldn't have enough praise for them and holding the Eagles to 75 points with guys like Adams and Fletcher Roberts and Bailey Williams is such a tremendous effort yeah I mean it's sort of almost hard to believe in terms of the fact that yeah the guys there they've played probably you know 20-30 games between a lot of them in terms of Adams Roberts um, Williams etc um, yeah I mean Roberts obviously only had what four or five disposals today but I mean the amount of times he sort of contested well and, you know, brought the ball to ground. And, I mean, Josh Kennedy only kicked one goal in the last quarter. I mean, you know, that's that's a hell of a... I mean, you know, if he kicks five or six, then you probably lose the game. So, and obviously Adams is continuing his, you know, his terrific early season form in, in his first season. Yeah, look, both of those guys were... Were, were tremendous and they did that job on Kennedy and Kennedy's a guy who historically has always killed us he's always been able to kick bit bags and bags we've never really had an answer but Roberts was absolutely tremendous on him today and especially there was a, a key sequence in the last quarter where it came down he got in front of Kennedy punched it forward and we, and we rebounded and was able to take it back up forward and, and quell an attack that they had and I thought that he again like he's done in the last few weeks, he just does these little things that don't show up on the stat sheet unless you're looking at one percenters. He was yet seven again. I think he's averaged about seven one percenters per game when everyone else gets about two. He just puts his body in the right spot. And he actually showed a little bit more of attacking flair this week. You saw him pushing up onto the wing, being a link man at times. And he can be a guy who, who switches forward. And he's not a he's not a terrible and not a terrible attacking player. He can play up for it. And I think that he is, and I was really critical of him after that game against Melbourne. I thought that he got absolutely destroyed and they were trying to hide him. But he came, he's really played you know, very, very composed, I think, since then. And he's looking to be like a pretty key member of that uh, that back six at the moment. Yeah, I completely agree with what you just said. And you just mentioned the you know the one percenters. Obviously, I'm just, just going through the list now in terms of the top one percenters for the team. They were... The top three with the back line, you've got um, Adams, Morris, and Fletcher Roberts. Obviously, Morris has been doing it for a hell of a long time. But, um, yeah, the fact that, you know, you've got these just young guys and obviously you've got, you know, Matthew Boyd obviously had a sensational game. He used the ball very well. And, um, obviously, Morris just keeps, you know, he's just a machine in terms of the way he just does it week in, week out. So you get these young guys sort of learning off the older guys and it, seems to be working really well. I was pretty critical of Matthew Boyd last week in terms of his kicking. Um, I thought that his kicking was tremendous this week. Now, he only took, he only had seven handballs, which is something I'm still not massively a fan of, but 27 kicks and seven handballs. He still has some of those indecision issues where he he's the, the only player in our team that seems to go one way, then go the second way every, nearly every time he kicks, but his kicking was almost without fault today, which is not something I think I've ever been able to say about Matthew Boyd's kicking at any stage throughout his career. Went about 79%, which is just tremendously high for him. They were giving it to him nearly every time going out of the back line. And yes, there were some indecision moments, but he ended up hitting basically every target. And I thought he was absolutely fantastic and a key. He was more offensive than defensive coming out of the back line, which in other weeks he's been giving us a huge amount defensively. But what he did this week was was tremendous. And uh, yeah, I have to tip my hat to the way that he was able to use the ball because it's not something I've ever been a fan of. 
Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. There, I thought. Yeah, normally you, you sort of do have a few where Boyd will make a decision or kick a, you know, try and do a crazy kick or whatever. Probably just a bit out, a bit out of sort of reality in terms of you know what he's trying to do, and he'll turn the ball over. But yeah, I, you could sort of barely count the amount of times he did today. And um, I thought, I mean, obviously another first year player for us. I mean, he's experienced in Matthew Suckling. I thought he was. I mean, he. Went at over ninety percent efficiency, or about ninety percent efficiency, and he had twenty eight possessions. So, and he's obviously left foot's <clears throat> pretty lethal. So, um, when you got two guys like that sort of using the footy, it, it, it helps a lot. Yeah, huge game from Suckling. Twenty eight touches, probably the best game he's had. I thought he was going to kick that goal right at the end where he floated down. It would have uh, would have lifted the roof off if he had to kick that that goal on that uh, that overlap handball he got just outside fifty on the wing. Um, unfortunately, it missed, but he, he was great. He was able to produce some uh, some key telling, clearing kicks, and even that one kick that he he had again in that last quarter. He he knew he couldn't hit the target, but he bounced it through to Lockie Hunter um, in, in the last few minutes, and it was just again a low kick that got to him super quick, and that's so key. Some of the some of the times he's getting the ball there fast, so that the space that the guy has actually got remains the space remains it doesn't get closed down instead of some sort of lob kick that goes straight up in the air he just bombed it in forward like sort of skimmed it almost and it bounced through to him and that sort of decision making is is key coming out of the back line and and then when guys like Johansson return and Wood returns he won't have to play down back he can play along the wing he can play through the center and and use that left foot more damaging on the scoreboard I think yeah, completely. Yeah, as you mentioned, those guys like Johannesson, I mean, obviously Murphy's not going to come back this year, but um, obviously those guys out, it's, you know, players like Suckling, it's, you know, imperative that they do sort of use their foot skills and, um, you know, try and set us up. And, yeah, I'm, I remember exactly the one you're talking about, the one to Hunter, that was, you know, just one example of the way he sort of used the footy. And, I mean, clearly it describes, you know, sort of illustrates he's definitely got a good football brain. And, um and it's just a yeah, it's just a great asset to have. Let's go into our our three two one now, Simon. Um, who were your your three two one Bulldogs players for the game? Okay, um, first off, I gave one to Lockie Hunter. I thought, I mean, he's been just a you know, he's probably had a close to an All Australian year in terms of his consistency. And another thirty eight possessions today is you know sort of you know, illustrates that, and he just doesn't seem to stop running and. Just improving week in week out almost. He's um, he kicked a goal as well, which was pretty critical in the third quarter. And um, yeah, another another great game. I gave two to uh, Libba. I mean, he three goals in in the you know low scoring game in terms of the fact that you know it's not something you expect very often from Libba, but you know he still had his twenty possessions and you know sort of bore in like a maniac in terms of his tackling and whatnot. So I gave him the two, and I gave. Uh, the three to the you know debutante skipper in Marcus Bontempelli. Um, he had 20 contested possessions out of his 30 and nine tackles and just led from the front and was just superb. Yeah, that's a huge number. 20 contested possessions is massive from Bontempelli. He was he was fantastic. He he's key in that last quarter as well but he's just so key in getting those clearances out there led the also second in the team in clearances with six with Libba just one ahead of him with seven. So just getting in there, getting the ball out. You talked about the backline players up there in the one percenters. Bonton Pally was the next player after those three guys that we mentioned. He, he had a few bounces. He can pinch hit in the ruck at times. He was tremendous, but he wasn't. I, I didn't actually include him in my top three vote getters, Simon. I have I gave one to I actually gave one to Roberts because I thought that the the job that he did on Josh Kennedy was 
was key to us. Now, yes, Adams switched on to him at times, but I thought that Roberts just playing down there, and whether it was Kennedy or Darling, didn't matter which one it was that they, they were switched on to, to keep those two big guys basically as non-factors. And we didn't, like, previously when you play West Coast, we have concerns that every time the ball comes in, you go, oh, shit, one of these big guys is going to grab it, and they're going to take an easy mark, and they're going to kick a goal. Because it happens every time, whether whether it was Darling or whether it was Kennedy or if Nat Nui floats down. But we didn't have that concern today. We didn't have, there was no worries whatsoever that these guys had them covered athletically. They had a, had them covered positionally. They had them covered strength-wise. It was an amazing performance. And, you know, for, for Roberts to do that to a guy like Kennedy, who is one of the most, you know, one of the best key forwards in the game? I thought, yeah, um, I thought I needed to give him recognition in this uh, fake three-two-one we're giving, and I gave him the one vote. I gave Matty Boyd two votes because uh, of what we talked about before. He was uh, he was everywhere, and he some of his kicking again. I just had to reward those sort of uh, kicks and and the, the role that he played in getting the ball out and transitioning from defense to attack. And three, I gave to Lockie Hunter as you touched on, just tremendous. And they mentioned on the commentary today that in, in his last twenty games, he's had eleven games of over thirty touches, which is just a ridiculous amount. You mentioned all Australian form. He is. I think the leading disposal getter in the entire AFL. He is putting up numbers at an insane rate. He took two marks inside 50 today. So not only is he racking them up across half back and being that 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 backdoor sort of option out of a pack, but he, he was pushing forward and and creating options. And he was the guy on the end of that suckling kick. Again, just running, creating space when we were one down on the bench for over half the game. The fact that he was able to rotate that much, he played 90% of the game on the ground, which was second, uh, third, fourth. I'm getting my numbers wrong. Fourth on the team behind Adams, behind Roberts, um, behind Morris, who are equal, and then it was Hunter. So as a midfielder to play 90% of the game is just a huge amount and continually running, continually creating space. I thought he was he was key. Yes, some of his disposals weren't ideal, but just his positioning and space and option creating was was tremendous to me. Yeah, I mean, the guys you mentioned, obviously, they all had outstanding games. You probably could have, you know, sort of split it up between probably six or seven other guys in terms of three, two, and one. Um, Yeah, there probably wasn't any, you know, sort of complete out-and-out standouts. But, um, yeah, whether you reward the backman or the sort of midfield guys or whoever, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think anyone was well-deserved of the three, two, and one. There was one guy that initially I thought was going to be in the running for the 3-2-1, and that was Toby McLean. But unfortunately, he went down with what looks like a relatively serious ankle injury. Now, we don't know what that means at this point, but you would think that at this stage, he's going to miss at least a couple of weeks with an ankle injury. Let's hope it's nothing too serious. But he was he was on fire. He, he'd already racked up 14 touches in the quarter and a half that he was on the ground, and he looked extraordinarily dangerous. He was laying tackles. He was uh, picking the ball up. He was having shots at goal, and he looked uh, completely settled. If he misses it, it is a bit of a bit of a downer because he'd been a, a real key cog in the team but then if he's out that just enables an easy slot in for Easton Wood next next week and it appears that McLean will be missing I thought he started off uh, ridiculously well yeah he did he looked just very lively and dangerous and um, as he I mean he sort of showed that in the last sort of you know year and a half in terms of um, what he can do and he, yeah I completely agree with what you're saying he sort of he had that look where he could just sort of, you know, kick a goal or take a mark or do whatnot. But, um, yeah, I mean, probably the player that I, I probably would have had close to the 3-2-1 was, I thought Jackson McCray was, he had an excellent game. Um, another 30-plus touches and just, you know, he just bores in and just ferocious and, you know, I thought he took a couple of good contested marks and I thought he was terrific. I mentioned this again last week that someone on the Facebook page reckons that he needs to be dropped. I don't know how you could possibly... He is he is one of the key players in our midfield, probably top two or three. He does... 
and everyone if you watch the game close enough everyone has a really set role and he plays his role absolutely to perfection just being that link up guy who has got tremendous peripheral vision peripheral sideways vision which a lot of players in, in the AFL don't have they're very much I've got the ball let's go forward but he's able to find that guys out wide transition from from you know, the wing out into the center and get that kick into the center corridor and move it through. And again, he just did that. He's a, he's a really hard worker, had a lot of tackles. Again, isn't the fastest runner, but neither is Bontempelli, but they, they're they smart runners and they run to the right spots and they know exactly what to do when they've got the ball. So unfortunate for him to miss out on the votes. He was great. Mitch Wallace, again, just doing everything that he needs to do. You're pumping the ball inside 50 a lot, being a tremendous link man as well, and one-twos and, and your handballs over the top and handballs out of out of pressure. I thought he was great. Um, what do you think of Jake Stringer's game? Oh, I thought he... I thought he did some, you know, obviously kicked a couple of terrific goals in the low-scoring game, which obviously helps immensely. Um, probably a couple of times he probably tries to maybe do a little too much in terms of taking players on when he could sort of maybe just give a handball and he might get sort of pinged and whatnot. Um, you know, obviously they, they'll try and encourage him to, you know, because he's got so so much ability that he, he can sort of obviously break packs and kick goals. But, um, you know, he can sort of get unstuck a little bit at times. But I thought, I mean, I thought, you know, his impact was was pretty significant in terms of the you know the scoring that sort of happened through the game i think that something is really key with string and this is something that my that my brother mentioned to me a couple of seasons ago is that stringer is a, is a midfielder he, he's not a forward yes he's good as a forward but he's not a forward he's a midfielder and he finished second or sorry third on our team in contested possessions today and as a guy who played up forward but getting in the middle when we saw him playing in the middle, that should have opened up a lot of people's eyes that this is what this guy is going to be. You put him in the center and he played that, that stretch in the center in the second quarter and he just gets in there and picks it up and just bursts through and you know, shakes guys off, breaks tackles. He had that on that goal that he kicked, he grabbed it at half back, broke that tackle, got, ran through, took a bounce, gave it to Wallace, got the handball back, kicked it from outside 50. But to get 12 contested possessions when you're playing in the midfield, I'd say less than 40% of the time, is a massive amount, and he is a guy that should at some point. And we've got a, a, an absolute plethora of midfield options, but Jake Stringer's a midfielder, and the more he pushes up into the midfield, the more dangerous he is going to become. If you can get another forward down there, he, he can go and spend half the game up forward, and as, as can a guy like Bonson Pally, they can spend half the game up forward. But just having that guy that's that aggressive and that strong, potentially or probably the strongest player at the club who can get in there and, and get the ball out, and distribute it the way that he did. I thought that that's a real key to unlocking the future and the full potential of Stringer is getting him into the guts more and just letting him letting him run wild. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you probably maybe compare it to maybe a Mark Rusciuto or someone like that, like just a really tall sort of, you know, tough midfielder who can sort of, you know, obviously Stringer's probably, you know, needs to increase his sort of, you know, aerobic sort of capacity in terms of running full games. Obviously, he's... I mean, we require him down forward because he can kick goals, you know, not like not many other players can. So um, he's obviously probably not an ideal overhead mark. So that's probably another reason why he could probably spend more time in the midfield. And as you mentioned, the 12 contested possessions in minimal time, obviously indicates that he's, you know, he's got a hell of a lot of, you know, ability to play through there. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's obviously, what, 21? So, you know, I think he's probably got plenty of time to sort of gradually move in there but as you mentioned there's so many players there you probably don't need him a hell of a lot I think I think he's going to develop into a guy that's that good that he'll be the guy that pushes some of the other players out into into smaller roles because I really think that his ability in there look, and it depends if he can get someone up forward as well but another great thing is looking at the contested uncontested 
stat splits amongst all the players, and you can see the roles that these guys play. Look, Hunter was eight contested, 32 uncontested. Eight contested is still good, but that's the role that he plays. Whereas Bontempelli is 21 contested, nine uncontested. Like these guys have these really set roles, and they use their skills to the best of their to beverages using their skills to their the best advantage that you possibly can. And that's Bontempelli getting the ball out, getting the clearance out, and hitting the guys in the right position, like Hunter, like Boyd, like Suckling, who was five contested and 21 uncontested, and Stringer on the other hand get in there just blow open a pack and then clear it out to these guys who, who are sitting out there like a hunter you know waiting for that ball and then can do some damage with it and then you know, him him run back around and get it again and that goal he kicked uh, as that banana from that you know somewhat dubious deliberate out of bounds call just a, it, not many players can kick it to have that much bend on it it was uh it was a fair kick from a fair distance out as well yeah that was a pretty bad decision <laughs> it was to take it and then you know, a game that's decided by less than two goals when, you know, that sort of goal. But, you know, there's there's some pretty average decisions throughout the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's, he's sort of just natural flair and just the sort of uh, match-winning ability he's got is probably, you know, unlike many players and, you know, especially the Bulldogs, if not around, you know, the whole AFL. But uh, another, another one, another player that's, you know, just keeps improving, I thought, is um, Caleb Daniel. He just... For someone who's played, you know, not many games, a year and a half worth, and the composure and just the amount of time he seems to have, it's, it just seems that he's, you know, it's where he played sort of 200 games. He just picks the right sort of decisions and right, um, you know, right, right place, the right time, and just um, he just continues to improve. Yeah, exactly. He was. I thought he was really good, especially in the first half as well. He was all over the place. He got uh, got, a, got a stack of the ball. He ended up with, with 24 touches. Um, had someone sit on his head later in the game, but whatever. He he was uh, he was pretty pretty aggressive in terms of getting in there and putting up some uh, some really nice numbers and looking just. He just looks so composed. He just never looks... I'm never worried when he gets the ball. He never looks like he's worried because he shouldn't be worried because he knows exactly what he's doing pretty much every time that he uh, that he gets it. Simon, unsung hero. Who did you have as the unsung hero from this game? I picked Tom Campbell as the unsung hero. Um, he had two really big goals in the second half. Uh, he was extremely competitive as, as an overall ruckman. Um just, you know, obviously he's always, you know, having a you know, red-hot go in terms of whether it's, you know, contested marks in the forward line or just in the centre clearances. And, um, you know, I thought he I thought he had a massive impact and especially the goal late in the, you know, the fourth quarter from outside 50 um, was, you know, obviously a great, great outcome for us. And um, I thought he was, yeah, he'd probably be my one this week. Yeah, he was my one as well. He was he was great again, and it doesn't matter which ruckman that him and uh, Roughhead come up against. They completely nullified the influence. Now Nat Nui, we know, you know what he what he is. He's a player that honestly doesn't have much of an impact around the ground. He still had thirty hitouts, but was he influential? I don't think he really did anything to to. You know, I thought that Cam- Campbell w- was clearly the better player around the ground. And that grab that he took at the end of the third quarter was just a massive grab, just jumping off that pack, just made the ball his own, just extra height, extra arms, grabbed it, clunked it, kicked it, and that massive goal at the end of the at the end of the, the fourth. These are two key goals. One to kick us out to about 21-point lead in that third quarter, and then to basically seal the game at the end. If, if people don't think that he is the ruckman of the future for this team, then they're not aligned with what the what the club is thinking because they the club is very much on board that Tom Campbell is the uh, the ruckman of the future. I'd say at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, he's probably surprised me in terms of how I, I thought he might have been a bit one-dimensional in terms of, you know, ability to sort of get around the ground and um, sort of, you know, take marks and or kick goals or whatever. But he just seems to be getting better and more confident in terms of the fact that he seems to be, you know, obviously rough heads there as well, but he seems to be obviously getting so much time in the, in the middle that now his sort of confidence has gone up and, um, you know, obviously his improvement and his um, output for the team has, has gone up. So, um, yeah, I can't see him being replaced anytime, anytime soon unless anything crazy happens. Yeah, him and Roughhead have been a, a great combination. Roughhead's you know, a really good ground-level ruckman as well. Yeah, moving around, he got crunched today. Bit of a bit of a sore head, but did come back on. Hopefully, no concussion. Well, there wouldn't be any concussion issues because he came back on. So that's a, that was good news. But he's a they're, they're a really handy tandem, and whoever they come up against, they seem to get whether it's in hitouts or not. And hitouts are such a, a ridiculous stat to be honest. They don't mean anything in the end because you could just hit it out and hit it down your opposition's throat every single time. It means nothing. It's all about to me getting the ball out of the center and having a, a contribution around the ground. And to me, Roughhead and Campbell do that every week and if, if they don't draw equal they they get the victory over their opposition and they've done that all season and been a really underrated part of what we've done uh, all season long I think um, the, the, the rest of the team it, it's really hard to find someone who struggled I think everyone like Dalhouse wasn't as productive as he was against Collingwood but he was still in there still just putting tremendous pressure pumping the ball in with, uh, with five inside 50s just doing everything that he needed to do Liam picking again just yeah, just presenting, just being there, just getting the ball, and you're not really making mistakes. I thought the whole team was tremendous, and this is something that we talked about before the show, Simon, and I t- touched on it last week as well, is that the way that we're playing, we are literally just forcing the ball down the opposition's throat. Like We are just going to get the ball, and when you get the ball 25% more than the opposition, which is again what we did today, if we look at the, the overall total possessions, we had 446 and they had 322. That is a quarter more uh, possessions. You had 228 kicks, 218 handballs, just ridiculous amount of extra ball. And you get that many, and then you get the, the contested. You just smash them in the contested ball. We're going to win one of these. One of these games, we're going to win by hundred points because everything is going to click in terms of forward efficiency and and conversion around the ground. At this point, we're just doing it by brute force. But to me, that means that there's only one way to go. Oh yes, I completely agree. I mean, probably another play we haven't mentioned a lot today is um, Jack, Jack Redpath. I mean, he could easily have, I mean, he obviously kicked two goals, missed two goals that, you know, he's generally an excellent shot from sort of 40, yeah. 45 metres out. Very gettable, those goals. And set shots and, you know, if he kicks those, he's got four goals and, you know, you sort of wrap him up a lot more, but he still took another seven marks this week and he's he's another player that's sort of, uh, you know, more opportunity and, you know, you can see he's, you know, he's getting games week in, week out. Then you can just see his confidence is increasing and his leading's improving by the by the week and um yeah i mean if we keep getting the ball in there that much i mean teams not quite as good as you know say a west coast or whatever i agree with what you said you know you can definitely see some you know some big sort of 70 80 plus point wins yeah, we, we just it, it's just literally volume of, of ball going in there of us getting ball around the ground and we're just getting so much of it pretty much every week um, the Giants game notwithstanding where I think they beat us in the contested possession we're just getting so much of that hard ball and it's just leading to so many easy possessions around the ground that you're just winning by just sheer volume and once once the conversion kicks in then there's going to be problems but you, you're, you're right with Red Pipe. he could have easily kicked four they weren't tough shots that he missed Dixon missed a, an easy easy for him set shot as well and we missed quite a few easy shots in that last quarter that would have put the game 
fairly easily out of our, out of their reach before they made, mounted that comeback that got a little bit uh, nervy. But Libba's goal was uh, was very very uh, important in the end, and he has become adding that goal kicking part to his game is huge. And I was listening on Three AW today when he had that shot in the second quarter. You know, kicking uh, from outside 50 and they're like oh, I don't think he's got the journey and lazy commentary pisses me off a lot Simon because they think he's his dad and he's not his dad you know Tony could, could barely kick 40 you live it comfortably kicks at 55 and it's it's lazy analysis to me but I've got no concerns when he's having to pin because he, he can kick it from anywhere basically yeah he's I mean obviously three's you know probably his best output for his career but he has he has shown you know in the past that he's capable of kicking for 40 45 plus and um you know he, he does it on the run he can kick you know right foot left foot so um it's not something he's you know incapable of performing so um that's you know that's another string to his bow in terms of you know being able to go down forward and kick goals and um you know it's just yeah i mean a lot of the players we have obviously bond and pelly um you know suckling can go forward it just you know gives so many options to the coach in terms of who you know kick goals if you know things go a bit stale now in terms of injuries we mentioned toby mclean already and easton wood had to pull out um we might not have either of them back next week we don't know about wood um again the injuries sort of came out a bit out of nowhere and i think last time he missed two games without a hamstring issue so he could be out again. We've got a tough game coming up, traveling to Port Adelaide, six-day turnaround uh, on a Saturday afternoon over there in Adelaide. So that's a tough one. Not an easy place to play, especially coming off a six-day break. I think, uh, but they smashed Collingwood this week, which wasn't really a tough challenge given all the outs that Collingwood had. But they'll be uh, full of confidence as they head back home. So uh, it's going to be key for us to get back, Wood. But who do you think, if Wood remains out and McLean has to has to miss as well, who, who comes in? Uh, well, going by the emergencies, I mean, Mitch Honeychurch has been for a couple of weeks, so I, I'm assuming he'd be close to, you know, being one of the replacements. Um, I mean, Will Minson's been the the other emergency for the last few weeks, but, I mean, I couldn't see any of the, the sort of bigger guys getting, you know, considering their current form, I don't see them going out. So it's it's going to be tough. I'm not sure if Kobe Stevens might be available. That, that would be an option, but... Um, it's going to be, yeah, it'll be probably interesting selection process. Yeah, Stevens is be the one that they'd want to see how he goes. But after re-aggravating that injury, they're going to take every available precaution with getting him back in. The other guy they could consider bringing back is Bailey Dale if uh, if Toby's out. But if if Toby is out and Wood doesn't return, then I think yeah, Honeychurch would be the guy, given he's going to play that small forward role that McLean is playing. He obviously has been playing well. Uh, four foot scray and coming in would be. Uh, give him a go. I'm not sure how how he'll go. I'm not overly sold on him being an AFL level player, but I guess we'll uh, we'll wait and see. Tom Boyd made his return to Footscray today. Um but I don't think he's in any danger of really threatening to come back. Although I could see them playing Boyd and Redpath up forward. Um I suppose you run into it then what do you do with uh Roughhead or and Campbell when they rest? Like that is is that too many big men down there? Or do you, or does that just free string up to really play high half forward and, and use those other three three guys as your rotating marking targets and let Stringer really play through the middle? I suppose if that's their their aim is to get Stringer further up the ground, I mean you could try it. Um obviously it limits you in terms of the amount of sort of running plays you have and whatnot. So um it'd be you know, it'd probably be a risk to have sort of, you know, those all those big guys considering early in the year they was playing you know a lot less in terms of the tall guys so um that it's a possibility but um you know 
who knows? I, I think I'm not sure. I think it is a bit of a risk. Um, I can see them trying it, but it's probably very low in terms of percentage of it of it actually being tried. I thought uh, I thought Shane Biggs was really good today. I thought he was uh, again poised coming out of defence. Um, yeah, good use of the ball, using doing exactly what he needed to do. And I thought that was the overall theme of the game to me. Is everyone did pretty much exactly what they needed to do. You know, played their role almost not quite to perfection, but you would say that there's very little to be to be critical of with with the the way that this game uh, transpired. Oh yeah, I mean, I would have thought the start of the game if you gave us those stats and that those sort of um, you know outcomes, you'd, you'd take it every day of the week. So um, I, I think yeah, there was there was definitely no one that was you know sort of lacking in terms of endeavour and whatnot, and um, the amount of players that had twenty plus possessions, thirty plus possessions, you know, I, I think it was terrific. Yeah. Really hard to, to criticise anything. And it's only an eight-point victory, but it's against a, a very good team. Um, we're injury depleted, and we were one down from uh, before half-time. To do that, to get the victory against a good team, it, the players were, were were tremendous. There's always room for, for bits of improvement. Like Dalhouse was a bit down. Libba was, was good, but he still could be better. Um, there, are, there are things that you can be better, but you can't have everyone firing every single week every at all times it's just impossible for that uh, for that to happen um not much else i don't think to really uh, touch on today smitty anything else you saw from the game that was uh, interesting oh not not nothing that sort of it was it was just a you know real sort of battle in terms of it was just a bit of an arm wrestle in terms of um, you know pushing the ball forward and whatnot so it wasn't you know a free flowing sort of typical Eddie had game where potentially could sort of kick 20 plus goals and, you know, break a team apart. But um, I thought it was one of our best wins of the year, just considering, you know, obviously we've said before the um, players available and um, the opposition. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you can, uh, I can argue with that. It'd be interesting to see how we fare next week against Port who are, who are knocking on the door of the eight. They'll be looking for a big victory against us as a, a big scalp. Um, the injuries are a little bit of a concern. Let's, we're still a little bit of time away from uh, Johannesson returning probably about a month away. Um, said good to see that Boyd returned in the VFL just gives that us that extra option but we're all going to be sweating on the results of uh, any scans that Toby McLean has and uh, interesting to see how they replace him whether that is Mitch Honeychurch getting his first go for the year or a, or a return from Bailey Dale alright we are we're done for today's podcast Simon where can everyone find you on Twitter uh, at Simon A. Benedict all right, so at Simon A. Benedict is where you find Simon. You can find this podcast at The Kennel Pod. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Kennel Podcast. And you can find my personal Twitter at redrock underscore bball. Um, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. If you do like what you're hearing, uh, you can always offer us comments. Uh, reviews on iTunes go a long way to boosting this show up, the iTunes rankings. If you subscribe, you never miss an episode. And uh, it does go a long way to help supporting, to supporting the show and helping it get out to more of the Bulldogs' support. Simon, thanks for coming on and chatting again after another really impressive victory. Yeah, thanks, Josh. It was great. It's always great after a win. Yep, most definitely. It's more fun talking after a win than after a loss. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.